Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Can you hear me just fine back there, Mom? Well, wonderful. Merry Christmas to everybody. It's good to be uh, together, and I uh, appreciated Gary doing a great job about gratitude uh, during November. I needed some time off, so uh, really thank you, Gary, very much for that. We're starting a new series today, and I hope that uh, it'll be a good one. Uh, uh, Christmas, preachers struggle all year uh, dealing with Christmas series and Easter series, and and uh, and this one, I, I this hit me the other day. I was looking at thinking about the idea of what is Christmas about, and you probably noticed it's, it looks like it's been misspelled. Well, if you do some Googling, you'll see that word Christmas with a U.S. You can actually get information um, uh, on the Internet. And uh, the reason I wanted to talk about it like this, about Christmas, the ultimate reason for the season, is because it is about us. And I don't know what us is for you. When I was a kid, us was me and mom and, and those two other lunkheads in the house. You know, and, and dad, of course. And, and then it grew from that to grandmas and grandpas. Us even grew beyond that. I started dating and I met Denise and we started meeting and uh, on Christmas, she would come with me. And so us was a little bit bigger. Then I get married. And, and then all of a sudden, we, I started having kids. And now I've got two kids and us is in that. And, and of course, all the rest of them. And I noticed in some of the us, is, the numbers change. Uh, some people die off. Some people don't show up. And so us begins to slowly change, if you know what I mean. And now I've got seven grandkids. It's crazy at our house on Christmas. Crazy on Thanksgiving. Heck, it's crazy anytime they show up. It's crazy, okay? Us has changed. But one of the things that hit me as I was thinking about this idea was that, you know, us really changed for me when I became a Christian. Because us wasn't just me and my mom and dad and my brothers. Us wasn't just my my wife and my kids and my grandkids and my extended family. Us involved the people of God. That's why I'm so excited about Christmas being on Sunday this year that we can be together as us it shouldn't be inconvenient that christmas is on a sunday church it should be a pleasure to come together and worship with all all of god's people because christmas is about a group of people called us and it's bigger than your family it includes all people especially god's people let me ask you as we start this series, what, why or what is the reason you celebrate Christmas? I mean, how do you celebrate it? And uh, what is the reason behind all the decorating and all the music and all the food and all the planning and all the cleaning you know, that you do to get ready for this, this day, this special day? All the present. Amazon. Why has Amazon got packages coming almost every day to our house? You know, it's just, it's crazy. Is it Santa? Is it Rudolph? Here comes the movies. Here comes, you know, a Christmas carol done a thousand different ways and whatever, whoever your favorite one is. And, and then we see the, the music on 102.5. And that's not a plug. It's a fact. It's on all the time. We can listen. What makes us put up those lights? And I put up all my lights. I've got one more strand. I got to get them up. Or it wouldn't be Christmas, in other words. What's all behind all that? Why do we go to the trouble? All these things going through our minds, and then there's that thought of Jesus. 
For some people, it's an afterthought. It isn't the thought. It isn't the ultimate reason. Well, the Bible tells us the ultimate reason for Christmas. And it has nothing to do with Christmas lights and and candy and presents in that, in that sense that we, we celebrate it today. Now, what's going on is it's, it's a story you find in Matthew 1 and Luke 2, and it's a very simple story. A fellow by the name of Joseph is engaged to a, a girl named uh, Mary, and he finds out that she's about to have a child, and he knows that it's not his, and he's thinking about breaking it off and get just quietly breaking it off and, and kind of fading into the sunset. And the Bible says that an angel appears to him. He's, he's sleepy because he's been thinking, how do I do this? How do I do this? And finally he drifts off to sleep. And then an angel appears in a dream and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to marry that girl because the Father may not be you, but the Father is the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible says this, in Matthew 1, here on your notes, if you'd like to follow along, she'll give birth to a son and, you'll, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this, look at this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. He's talking about Isaiah 7 here. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel. God with us. Christmas fulfills an ancient promise that goes all the way back to Genesis 3. And it's fulfilled through, and, and it's, it's brought about and, and Matthew records it, the, the reason for Christmas with one word, one name, Emmanuel. And so what I thought we would do is and, and, uh, spend some time this month looking at this word Emmanuel looking at Isaiah 7, looking at everything that surrounds it, because the idea of God with us is just amazing when you stop and think about it. He's with us. This church has been through a lot, hasn't it? But God is with us. And God's going to take care of us. Your family's been through a lot this year. That's a couple of years. Amen? That us, God is with, is with you, your family, the us in your home. And God is when you're all by yourself. You may think, oh, I'm all by myself. Listen, God is with us. You're never alone. That's why loneliness at Christmas doesn't make any sense. And so what I want to do is I want to tear this, this, this uh, idea down. I want to break it down, this idea of God with us. What is Christmas really about? What can I learn from this word? And what does this name, this one name, tell me about Christmas? Well, it tells me three things. Number one, Emmanuel tells me that God wants to be with me. That God, the Creator, my Creator, your Creator, wants to be with every one of you. You think about it. Before Jesus was born, the Bible clarifies something about Jesus, that He is God. God with us. Man. See, Jews took names real seriously. And they, a lot of people when they're picking out names for a kid, they're looking, they're thinking of how it sounds or what their initials will be. 
my Aunt Helen Ann, Helen Ann Gill. She put her initials on her license plate and realized she made a mistake. And sometimes we have these names, maybe they're family names, but we'll pick a name. A lot of parents, new parents will pick out, we pick out a name because of the way it sounds or spells or it's a cool name. The Jews were the opposite. It wasn't the sound of the name, it was the meaning of the name that meant everything to them. And they would all they would name their children at a time when they go, you know, this is what's going on. Maybe we're suffering, so they name a child that meant something like contend or struggle, or they, they'd have some some way of attaching the the season they were going through when the child was born. So every time they saw, they said the name, they remembered, oh yeah, that was during that time. Jesus was a popular name during the New Testament. As popular as Joshua was in the Old Testament. I think today, James and John and Jack are popular boy names. We have some Johns in here, some Jameses in here. So we know that. It's a very popular name. During the Old Testament, Joshua was a popular name. Why? Because this idea of the prophecy of God finally sending someone to take care of the, the broken world was always in the back of the Jews' mind. And the word Joshua, or the name Joshua, means the Lord of salvation. It's a passive but a descriptive thought of every time they saw Joshua, they're reminded when they'd hear that word that God is the Lord of salvation. In the New Testament, Jesus is the name that's very popular during this time, during the time of the Roman uh, Empire. And a lot of moms and dads would name their son Jesus because the name Jesus meant God rescues. And it wasn't just a descriptive word. It was an active name. It meant Joshua means the Lord saves. Jesus means he's the one that's going to do it. And so a lot of these parents are thinking when they were having a child and they find that it's a son, maybe this is the Jesus who's actually going to do something about this, this mess we're in. Well, this Jesus here that we read about here in Matthew 1, that the angels say, we want you to name this one Jesus. There was no angels telling these other parents to name their kids Jesus. They were doing that on their own. But this angel wanted to make sure that Mary and Joseph named this child Jesus because he's the God that's going to do the job. He's not a copy. He's not a clone. He's not an impersonator. Years ago, I knew a guy named Steve Davis. He was an Elvis impersonator. Anybody ever meet an Elvis impersonator? I mean, he had the mutton chops. He had the hair the way it's supposed to look. And he even talked in character. Hey, Tim, how's it going? And I I remember one time we were at Bush Stadium. I was with my two boys going to a Cardinal game. And there's Steve Davis on the corner. And he's got the white the cape, the white sequined outfit. And it's he got the glasses and he's out there waving at people. People are honking. And I go, look, guys, there's Elvis. I know him. No, you don't. And I said, hey, Elvis, how you doing? He goes, hey, Tim, how's it going in Godfrey? And my boys go, how's that possible? Well, Steve Davis, as hard as he tried to be like Elvis, he was not Elvis. And Jesus Christ, see, was not some clone, no copy. He wasn't a God impersonator. One guy said it like this. He was God in skin. 
He was in person. And the Bible says this all over the place. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, The Word became human and lived among us. Everything's created by this Word. Colossians 1, Paul said it this way, No one can see God, but the Son is exactly like God. He rules over everything that has been made. He says, you know, you, you look at the Old Testament and what's God appearing? Uh, fire? Clouds? I think one time He showed up and He told a prophet, put your face and turn your face away and I'll, let you, I'll walk by and you can see my backside. And sure enough, you know, He walks by and the prophet says, and I see God's behind. Deal with it, folks. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. He doesn't see His face. He'll die if he saw his face. You got a guy at one time, he's looking in a furnace, a king, and he sees Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and somebody way in the back there, well, that looks kind of, oh, I can't quite make it out because of the fire, but it looks like the Son of God. Kind of a human shape, but it wasn't very clear. Jesus is crystal clear. God in skin. Exactly like God. Not kind of. That's why the angels wanted to make sure that this Jesus was singled out above all the other Jesuses that were ever named. You look at the Old Testament and you've got a list there in your, in your notes. There's so many names of God in the Old Testament and Jesus describes and bears every one of these and proves every one of these. For example, Elohim means, it's, a, it's an Old Testament word for God that means Creator. And in John 1.3, it says the Word created all things. Nothing that has been created has not been created without God, the Word who became flesh. Another Old Testament name for God is Jehovah. We know this one. And it means I am. And it's based basically out of Exodus 3 where Moses is saying, who do I send? Who do I say sent me? And, he, and God says, you tell him I am sent you. And so when Jesus walks on the earth and there and he's talking about Abraham he says I saw Abraham his satisfaction on his face they said how can you you're not you're not even you're not very old he goes don't you understand before Abraham I am here's an example where Jesus Christ called himself God he said that's my name Adonai means boss in charge and you have Jesus saying things like, you call me Lord and Master and you're right. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Thomas would see him as resurrected and go and fall to his knees and say, my Lord and my God. He wasn't, that wasn't a cliche or a phrase you say when you're in awe. He was stating something he believed to be true. And Jesus proved it. Old Testament Another word, Jehovah Nisi, means victory. And Jesus says, I have overcome the world. There's another word, another name, Jehovah Roha, which means shepherd. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. There's another one, another name, Jehovah Sabaoth, which means hosts. And Jesus said, where's a song that says he could have called 10,000 angels? Jesus says, ah, I could do much better than that. He actually said, I can call 12 legions. Don't you think I could do that? 12 legions of angels at any given moment. He is the, the God of hosts. 
El Elyon, here's another one, which means high or mighty. And the Bible says over and over again that Jesus is found setting at the right hand of God on high. This is the God that is born in Bethlehem, church. This is the God of Christmas. El Shaddai means almighty. And what's his revelation? You, you know the verse. It says something like, does it say it like this? I am the, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am, I was, I is, and was, and is to come. I am the Almighty. And Eloah's Selakot means forgiver. And Jesus went around all the time saying, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. How could he do that? In fact, people even said that. Who is he to forgive sin? Only God can do that alone. Well, that's because he was God. And he forgave sin. That's the first thing I want you to notice that thing I noticed this morning, this idea of Emmanuel. It is God that is with us. Not a copy. Not a clone. It's God in skin. What else does Emmanuel mean? Number two, Emmanuel tells me this. It means God wants to be with me. He wants to be with me. He is a, listen church, as a believer, this is so important. God is a God of withness. He doesn't want to be by himself. He doesn't want to stand off by himself. He wants to be with his people with His creation. He's a God that engages. Doesn't make decisions from way off, but right there in the middle of it all. I don't know about you, but depending on who it is, the presence of another person does wonders. Am I right? I remember as a kid, I got picked on at school, but then my big brother walked into the room. And all of a sudden, everything changed. Or if I'm scared, you're scared at night, and you hear mom and dad in the next room and they walk in, you okay? Makes a huge difference. You're broke down on the side of the road and it's not just anybody that shows up. Chris Weiler happens to be there and says, you having car trouble? And you go, not anymore. <laughs> it depends on who it is. Am I right? You're, you're, you're on the side of a road and you've been in an accident and here comes the EMTs or the doctors or someone like Jenny and says, you're going to be okay. Why? Because they're medical people. And because they're with you, it makes, well, all the difference. It helps. It just helps. Joseph and Mary are feeling really off by themselves here. Like they're maybe on their own, so to speak. I mean, here he is taking... You know, Mary and they're, and, and they have no money, very little money, very little food. They have nowhere to stay. They're trying to find a place to stay. And she is about to give birth. And boy, we gotta hurry up and do something. What's gonna happen? I mean, would you be scared? You ever been, you ever had this happen to you? This has happened to me. Me and Don Yoder had this happen to us. You ever been somewhere and you have no way to get home? You're in the middle of Chicago or middle of somewhere. You got dropped off. Uh-oh, what do we do now? He looks at me and goes, what are we going to do now? And I go, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you broke down in the middle of a highway somewhere and there's no cars and you're like, 
It's cold. Do I, do I go? Do I stay? Mary and Joseph don't know where to turn. But they realize, they, they realize there is something that's true that's the undertow of everything that's going on. That God is with them. The Lord is with them. Look what the Bible says here in Luke 1. The angel went to her, it's Mary, and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. What are you saying that to me for? But the angel said to her again, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. The angels are talking to Joseph and Mary, saying to them, You have nothing to worry about. It's going to be okay. Why? Because you're not alone. God is with you. He's not absent. He's not somewhere else. And look at Mary's response. I want this response. You can have this. I, you and I can have this response during Christmas because we know God is with us. Look what it says there. I'm the Lord's servant. She didn't say, I'm scared to death. She didn't say, what's going to happen? No, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. You see, it's God's withness that puts everything in its proper perspective, church. When you know God is with you, it's kind of like watching a movie. You already know how it's going to end. You're not so scared, not so worried. You know, I tape Packer games. I know I like to suffer, but this year especially. But I'll tape a Packer game. I already know the score. And if they've won, oh, they got intercepted. doesn't matter. I know they've won the game. I already know the end. And when the Lord is with you, He puts everything in that proper context so you don't have to worry and be afraid. Christmas is reassuring you and I of this. Again, I don't know what you're going through this morning. But I want you to know this. God wants you to know this Christmas season. He isn't somewhere else. He doesn't want to be somewhere else. He wants to be with you. Look at David said, even though I walk through a very dark valley, I'll not be afraid because you're with me. Makes all the difference. All the difference. Here on PowerPoint, Isaiah would say these words, don't worry, I am with you. Don't be afraid, I am your God. I will make you strong and help you. I will support you with my right hand that brings victory. So, what do we know? Emmanuel tells me on Christmas, especially on Christmas, the ultimate reason is about us, is that God is with me. God is with you. God is with us. And the other thing is that God is with us. He's not somewhere else. It may look like that sometimes, but He's not. But there's an awesome thing I notice here. And that is that, that, that Emmanuel tells me this, that God wants to be with me. He actually wants to be with me. I don't want to make this about you. I'm not saying that. I've said this before. You know, you are the ultimate reason for the season. And I've had people say, Tim, that's not true. When you think about Emmanuel and break it down, church, there are two major characters that make Christmas work. It's God and you. It's about bringing the two of us together. I'm watching a movie called American Pastoral. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Anybody's ever watched it? It was on Cinemax. I 
recorded it, it was free. I thought, I'm gonna, what's that movie about? It's about a it's about a, a, a fellow by the name of they called nicknamed him the Swede. He lived in a little town in, in New Jersey. He was the football hero, the the best of the best. Everybody said, "Man, this guy's going to go far." He ends up marrying a the, the, a beauty queen who ends up being uh, Miss New Jersey, part of the uh, of uh, Miss America. She's gorgeous. Everybody's going, "Man, everybody wants to be like the Swede. Everything's going to go his way." Well, then you find out they have a little girl, and she's beautiful, she's sweet, she's good, she's innocent. It's wonderful. And this is during the 60s when they start raising this child. And they begin to watch Vietnam unfold, and they begin to watch things on TV. And she is, this little girl is too, and she's confused, she doesn't understand it. And before long, as a teenager, she begins to have a problem with the government, a problem being in Vietnam. And her parents agree, oh, we do too. She goes, no, not like me. And she starts hanging around some people uh, at a, as a teenager that are just, uh, they're, they're not good people. She begins to be, build up strong political views, so strong that she doesn't even want to come home anymore. And next thing you know, the local post office in this small New Jersey town has blown up with a bomb. And everybody's saying, your daughter did that. And he's saying, there's no way my daughter would do something like that. I, do, I raised her. She knows better than that. There's no way she did that. But he can't find her. She's gone. She's hiding. They can't find her. So the rest of the movie is about him searching for his daughter. He's searching for years. He finally finds her. While he's searching, his marriage is falling apart. His, he's a business owner. His business is falling apart. His life is topsy-turvy. He... Everything's out of control because he has one thing in his mind. I gotta get my daughter. I gotta find her. I gotta get her home. As the movie begins to come to a conclusion, he finally finds her. And she's in this abandoned home. It's, it's, it's no windows in it. It's in an inner city, uh, in, uh, in, in Newark, New Jersey. And he finally catches up with her. And he walks in her room and it's, there's no lights, there's no comfort, it's all a mess. And there's this list of, of uh, vows or ideas on, on the wall. And he's looking at them and talking to her. What, what are these, honey? And she, she, has a, she has a veil over her mouth now because she, she doesn't, she's, doesn't want anybody to see her completely. And she has sores all over her. Hair's, her beautiful blonde hair as a child's all ratty now. She looks eyes are sunk in and she goes well that I'm a part of a of a cult now and this is what we believe and he's reading it looking at her going honey what are you doing come come back home let's come back home and she's no 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 he comes back again and again and finally he's he's waiting for her again and here she comes and uh, getting ready to go in the house and he goes I brought some things. Look, I brought your teddy bears. I brought your little books. I brought you all the stuff from your home. Come, come home. I want you. I don't want you here. I don't want you. You can't stay here anymore. And she goes, I renounce all influence over all people and creatures of the earth. Whoa, yeah, right. Right. Oh, yeah, really? Really? Don't you understand? You have influence over me? You're, I, I, I can't quit thinking about you. 
it'd be best if you left, Dad. Just leave. I can't. Come home. Don't stay here. You don't have to stay here. Don't you understand? I made you. I created you. I raised you. There's no way you blew that place up. I did. No. Yes. Come home. Why would you want me to come home now? I've killed people. There's no hope. I watched that and I couldn't believe the statement that he makes. It hit me. Whenever you and I, we both have felt this way, what I do doesn't matter. I have no impact or influence. Do you know you have something that no other creature on earth has? That's the influence of your Heavenly Father. That you influence your Heavenly Father to leave heaven, to leave His business, so to speak, to leave him, leave everything. Why? Because he does. He, we say things like, "Well, God, you know, I, I, I'm, we have people. I hear people say, well, I didn't ask God. I don't want. I don't want God to be involved." You think that that's going to get you off the hook? Are you crazy? You have power over me, people. That's what God is letting us know. I love you so much. It sways me to do crazy things like leave heaven and come to earth. To let go of my deity, to let go of my power, not my deity, but my power, and come here to be touched and held and hurt. Why would you do this, Lord? Why would you? Why? Look at this passage. Look at this in Psalms 8. David asked that question What are mortals that you should think of us? Mere humans that you should care for us. Why would, why would you, God, holy God, want to come down into my holy mess don't you understand I can't quit thinking about you Tim I can't quit thinking about you I can't every member here I can't I can't quit thinking about those that are here and those that are not here you're on my mind all the time Tim I love you I love all of you I love people I love my people I and and they have such influence and sway on me that I'll do anything. I'll go to great lengths if I have to. Just to have the chance. Just the chance to be together. That's the God of Emmanuel who comes on Christmas. Philippians, though He was God, He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. These are big statements, folks. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. What's that mean, obedience? He did what was right, not what he felt was right or what he wanted to do or what he was... If he was afraid, it didn't stop him. Obedience to God mattered more to him than anything else. Obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. He left everything, folks. He set aside his power. Set aside his privilege. Heaven is not as good a shape because he's gone. He's here. Heaven's kind of messed up right now because God is on earth. He doesn't care about what's going on in heaven. He cares about what's going on here. 
And so what does He come as? Pillar of fire? He used to do that. Come in in a storm or a cloud? He used to do that. No, He comes now in as a helpless, vulnerable baby. Why would you do it that way? Because, Tim, that's the only way. The only way I can really be with you. I've got to be like you. I've got to be in your mess. Since these children are people with physical bodies, it says in Hebrews 2, Jesus Himself became like them. He did this so that by dying He could destroy the one who has the power of death, the devil, and free those who were like slaves all their lives because of their fear of death. For this reason, for this reason, by the way, these are Christmas passages I'm reading to you today. These are Christmas passages. For this reason, He had to be made like His brothers and sisters in every way so that He could be their merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Then Jesus could die in their place to take away their sins. He had to let go of His his lofty place in heaven. His spirit world come to this physical busted broken mess see we like to dress up christmas christmas is pretty huh pretty lights pretty songs i'm part of it too i've set up so many lights i've lost count mass up this year presents no hand-me-downs no second hand we're going to get the best We try to make Christmas as pretty as it is, as we possibly can. But the reality, church, is Christmas is not a pretty holiday. It is an ugly holiday. It's smelly and messy. Sacrifice. Death. Danger. Why? Like a Christmas light in the black of night, Christmas is showing something that we he doesn't want God doesn't want us to miss. He wants to be with us. This relationship with us is God's reason for Christmas. And he's done everything he can to make it possible. Question what are you doing to make it possible? He did so much just to get the chance to be with you. Was Christmas inconvenient for God? It was a tough decision to make. Why do you say that, Tim? Because Christmas is going to be on Sunday this year. And I've listened to people every once in a while. And it's not, how are we going to be at church on Sunday? As if Christmas is now inconvenient. When it fits my plans, it's fine. But when it makes it inconvenient, all of a sudden it's different. Can I get up? If God can come down, come down from heaven to earth, can I get up 30 minutes early to read my Bible? What am I doing 
What will you and I do this Christmas to get close to the God who wants to be with us? James says, come close to God and He will come close to you. You see, that first Christmas, the shepherds didn't mind dropping what they were doing. The wise men, didn't, they didn't care. They traveled thousands of miles just to get a glimpse of Him. Why? Because they want to be with this God that wants to be with them. I'm saying this Christmas, this Christmas series, I hope we can learn to get closer to figure out why is God wanting to be so close to us and what does it do? What is it about? What's He want us to do with it? And I just ask you, I want to just encourage you, this Christmas, this Christmas most of all, somehow draw you closer to this Emmanuel. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank You for for an eternal promise, a promise You made way back on the heels of the Garden of Eden that one day, one day You would fix what's broken. That You would reunite what's been pulled apart. Thank You for that. Father, this Christmas, we know of people that need to know that You want to be with them And so we pray, Father, for insight and courage to invite our friends during this series. And Father, as we as we're decorating and as we're as we're buying presents and as we're preparing food and as we do all this stuff this month. We pray, Father, we'll realize how how much you prepared. How much you you prepared and how much you have prepared because of Christmas. I know some of us here, I uh, wouldn't surprise me, some of us here, I just feel really alone right now, Tim. And Father, you see them, they're talking to you about it. I feel like I'm on my own. Would you reassure them they've never been on their own? Not with a relationship with you, they're never on their own. They're never unloved. Father, I pray that you help us as members be extensions of love extensions of the hands and love of, 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 of your Son Jesus. Like you used a body there, you'll use our bodies as living sacrifices to touch, to speak, to listen, and to care for those around us, especially at this time. Because the ultimate reason you came was to be with us. To be with us forever. Help us have that mindset. Help us see that. We pray that, Father. We pray this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Here's my burden, Jesus, take it now. Here's my heart, I simply lay it down. Well, I'm not strong enough to stand on my
I'm not strong enough to stand on my own. And I'm not wise enough to make it alone. I'm falling back into your arms. I have found my to 